This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Welcome to Tuesday with Ash Pollard, thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas, that's Red Energy. In this series, I'll be chewing the fat with my famous friends and a few foodies so we can learn more about them as human beings through their love of food. This week on Tuesday, my bestie, partner in crime on MKR, now a highfalutin lawyer and a food fanatic, Camilla Council. I'm Ash. And I'm Camilla. We're best friends from Melbourne. It's the Paris of the South. We both love all things French and European. Oh my God. This is divine. Our entertaining style would be... Classic? Yeah. Traditional. We have some dauphinoise, some cheddar and some pâté. We would see ourselves as food snobs. And if a dish deserves a zero, we are more than happy to give it. Sorry. We're going to win this competition because we're educated, we're well-travelled and we can cook. We're also incredibly full of shit. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Vomit. Oh, God. Isn't that classic, listening to that back again? It's the Paris of the South. Mm. Like, where did that even come from? I don't know. But, you know, it's funny because... Some some parts of that are true. Others are a bit, you know, it's a bit of a wank fest there. We did put a bit of salt and pepper and a bit of MSG on top. Um, oh, but for the totally. most part, I would say that, you know, our, our entertaining style is quite classic, quite chic. You know, we still do love the daffinoir, the fromage. Of course. Of course we do. And, you know, we are highly educated. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think oh my when God, you listen so back to that? I think, what were we thinking? No, we knew what they wanted. We just played to it. We were clever gals. Yeah, we were clever gals, weren't we? Mm. <laughs> Why do you think after all of this time, still I know when I get write-ups in the Daily Mail and things like that, they always refer to us both as the villains. I, I never thought we were villainous at all. We were not the villains. People just hated us because they wanted to be us and they weren't. <laughs> 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 but no, we were, never, we were never actually nasty though. That was the thing. I mean, there were other teens on the show that were super nasty. We were just honest. And one thing I must say, we always critique the food. We never critique the people. Yeah, Exactly. This is what people don't understand. We were we were adamant mm. and hell bent on not um, making it a personal thing. I don't think. So we we totally. always just concentrated on the food, and we were like, "Oh, that cat, she makes really shit gnocchi." Not, you know, she's a mole or anything like that. I know because we could have said both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So I, I guess I wanted to have you on this podcast this morning because we've been friends now for how many years? For oh god, six since since twenty thirteen. So what's that? Oh, seven, seven years. Season. Yeah, that's I know. so long. I know. So how have I put up with you for that long? Oh, I could say the same about you. 
<laughs> Considering <laughs> that when we met, the story of when we met is quite funny, actually. Uh, I um, had an apartment in Paran in Melbourne and it was a two-bedroom apartment that I was living in by myself. And so I decided it's probably time I save some money and get a flatmate in. So I advertised and I went through a few applicants and the last applicant to apply was this French guy named Thibault Clardon. And uh, he arrived and I thought, oh, he looks like reasonably nice uh, and he seemed nice as well and he never mentioned he had a girlfriend. So I thought, all right, perfect. He's single. He can come in. He's not going to bring any women over. It's going to be fine. So sign me as up. If. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And, uh, well, wasn't I in for a treat because, in fact, after he signed the lease and moved in, he then told me he had a girlfriend and that girlfriend was you. And you were <laughs> sus on me. Uh, and so you said to Tibor, why don't you invite your new housemate over to my house and we can have dinner? And, of course, that was so that you could suss me out, wasn't it? Oh, possibly. But, I mean, it ended up into a bit of a wild night, didn't it? It did. <laughs> <laughs> As most dinner parties that either of us host. Uh, yeah. Too much wine. So <laughs> I went over to your um, family's house in St Kilda, met you, and, and it was such a fun night, but I don't think we like we fully clicked until a little bit further down the, the track, you know, when things started to go awry with you and Thibaut and you guys broke up. That's when you and I, that's when you and I began. I know. That's when we started, uh, you know, going out for dinners all the time and realising that we were both little piggies. <laughs> <laughs> that we both had a love affair with butter. Exactly. Post MKR, fast forward slash rewind all those years ago, um, let's do a bit of a where are they now scenario oh, because okay. when we auditioned for MKR, you were studying to be a lawyer, but you had to defer your degree to be on the show. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but when we were getting onto the show, but we hadn't signed or anything, they called and said, oh, you know, we'll need you to do this. I'm like, yeah, but I've got exams then. So can we work around that? <laughs> they were like, no. And that's when I realised, oh gosh, to do this thing, I'm going to have to defer. I ended up deferring a full year in the end um, for filming and then a bit of time post-filming. Did that bother you in any way? Yes and no. I mean, I think I was still young enough that I had plenty of time. It's not like I was doing it, a lawyer degree at 35 and then deferring. I was you know, still early 20s and, and had a bit of time up my sleeve. And it was a pretty awesome experience. Well, just a second. I'm 34. If I decided to do a law degree now, there's no shame in that. No, there's no shame, but I wouldn't be deferring for a year to go on a TV show <laughs> if you wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> so you deferred and uh, we began the adventure of MKR. Was it difficult for you post-MKR to get back in the mind frame of being a uni student again when you were pretty popular in the media? And everybody wanted us to come to event, events and all that sort of stuff? It was actually probably the right timing. I mean, it was easier to be studying and having to go to these events than it would have been to have been working full time and trying to fit in these events too. It was almost a good balance between still progressing what I wanted my career to be, but then having fun with, you know, all of the things that were coming off MKR. Why do you think that we have remained friends for so long and probably 
we will into the foreseeable future because a lot of people always ask, oh, are you still friends with Camilla? I'm sure people ask you that, do they? Yeah, they do. I think because you're just such a biatch that they're surprised. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> I think um, we're just, I mean, we're both Capricorns. I, I'm just going to put it down to that. We both know each other's personalities. We know what to expect from each other. And when we lose it at each other, which is mainly you losing it at me. That's untrue. You always think you're right. <laughs> you know what? I want to tell you a little story quickly. Okay. Here we go. When I was in Melbourne a while ago and my Aunt Liz dropped us off to your boyfriend's house and we were talking about the wedding, you were sitting in the back saying, well, Camilla, don't you think that, you know, if you were to have a maid of honour, I would be a maid of honour. And <laughs> I responded to that. I can't even remember how. But after that, Liz still tells that story to my family and is like, it's just amazing the way that those two talk together, talk to each other and things they say to each other. And it's just like water off a duck's back. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at all. <laughs> I, guess... I think I said something back to you like, if I had a maid of honour, what makes you think it would be you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, I am abrasive like that in a sense, but only to, I think only to people that I, I know that can hack it or even understand it. But even if I am like that to somebody else, if they can't hack it, then like, sorry. If you can't handle the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Well, thanks, Auntie Liz. <laughs> so um, you don't exist on television anymore. Are you happy about that? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I mean, really, even coming out of MKR, I was only recognisable when I was with you. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I could go about my normal life. <laughs> Did you ever think, though, when we finished the show and everybody was like, oh, come to this event and here's some free stuff and, you know, la di da da Did you revel in that? Did you love it? And at any point now, do you wish you could have that back? I mean, I did love it. It's who doesn't love getting things for free or for an Instagram post. I think I kept it continuing for quite a period of time and I did, um, you know, do a blog for a little bit. I just found that, you know, it's not my passion. It's not what makes me really happy and it's not how I want to have a career. So for me, I don't miss it necessarily because I'm doing what I want to do, um, but it was definitely fun. And, I mean, if I could still get paid to post on Instagram, that would make me happy. So when you say <laughs> it, you mean things like social media and things yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But cooking is a passion of yours, I know, mm. uh, for a fact, because your parents actually are amazing cooks. Um, mm. And I I noticed that immediately when we became friends all those years ago that um, your family, like mine, are very, very much um, into entertaining. They absolutely love entertaining. But, but also your family, your dad even drives practically 
all across Melbourne to get various different uh, cuisines and types of foods. And he's got one cupboard in the house that's fully stocked with um, Italian fare, like pastas and cans of tomato, you know, all that sort of stuff. And then there's (laughs) another cupboard for Indian spices and, you know, like the list goes on. He is super passionate about that. So it would be really difficult for you not to be. Was that easy growing up with that kind of um, influence? Yeah, I mean, mum and dad have always loved food. I've always loved food because of that. Um, Italian, Greek, Indian. I mean, we had such an exposure to all different types of cuisine growing up. And I think it really enriched our palates and our love for food. And you are a really great cook. And I will say that the majority of the time, I mean, I'm a... I'm all about, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm a great bullshit artist, honestly. Let's be <laughs> let's be fair. And I think that I I did look at you and your parents initially for a lot of direction when we were in my kitchen rules because your dad has this knack with making beautiful meals that are super simple, like it's ridiculous. I went over to um, your parents' place the other night because you're in Sydney, I'm in Melbs, and we had a bit of a rendezvous and your dad cooked on the barbecue various bits of seafood like calamari, uh, scallops, prawns, and all he did was add butter, olive oil, chilli and garlic with a side of tomatoes, basil, broccolini, like and thrice cooked potatoes like it was heaven and that's so easy to do yeah definitely they've always been my family have always been about getting the freshest and most delicious ingredients like dad always shops at the market you'd never see him buying vegetables at a supermarket like that's last resort and I think that definitely helps and and I mean it's a bit harder to shop like that in Sydney which is a shame I mean I miss the Paran market that is just the best food market. And, I mean, if you're buying produce from there, you can keep it simple and it's beautiful. Food doesn't need to be complex. You're listening to Tuesday with me, Ash Pollard, thanks to Red Energy, and today my guest is Camilla Council. Speaking of shopping at the Paran Market and things like that, <clears throat> um, Aldi, that's uh, your supermarket of choice. <laughs> what the... Yeah, that's my husband's supermarket of choice. Because um, he's a tight like ass. To, he just loves a bargain. Yeah. If he feels like he's saving 20 cents, he'll love it. Oh. He'll go to the effort. He, I don't get it. But, I mean, I get it on some things but not on all things. And for food, I mean, in Sydney I really do try to get to Harris Farm because it's probably got some of the better quality fresh produce. But it's still like it's whatever. It's nowhere near as good as Pratt Market. And I mean, Aldi. Oh, good chocolate, I hear. <laughs> no, nah, I don't like it. Oh. I don't like it. Their wines are okay if you want some cheap wines. So you've, <laughs> you've got a husband now. That's really interesting. How did that happen? <laughs> what, like, because it was hard? <laughs> well, no, I mean, like, like it was hard for me or something. How did that happen? How did I score it? Is I that reckon you you're, mean? well, I reckon you're way more uh, high maintenance than I am 110%. <laughs> What? You're the no one. No way. Yes, you're Should the one. Should we get Pete on this? No. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, he'd agree with me, actually, because you're the one that's obsessed with designer <laughs> handbags and all that other stuff. Ooh, bull crap. Bull. 
<laughs> Whatever. Tell us how you met Tom. I met Tom on a dating app oh. called Happen, mm. you know, H-A-P-P-N, because it's cool, you know. Um, and we, like, he lived in South Yarra and I was living in St Kilda, so we'll, I don't know, we must have crossed paths at some point. Um, and, yeah, we started dating pretty quickly and were official or exclusive, whatever you want to say, pretty quickly and been together ever since, four years I think now. Something like that. Mm. And, yeah, that's there you go. It's crazy because you've been with Tom for four years. I've been with Pete for nearly three and we're not even close to uh, ring on finger vibes at all. Yeah, but you're, you're having a kid together. I know. That's so, somewhat more of a commitment. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I'd like a diamond, though. I'd like a diamond because diamonds are a girl's diamond. best friend. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, your problem is is that you want a giant diamond and apparently I'm the high-maintenance one. <laughs> I figure if I'm not asking for all the designer bags and things like that, he could pull the money that he saves on, uh, you know, not buying me these crazy gifts and putting it toward the diamond. Tom doesn't buy me gifts. I buy them myself. Yeah, but you've got to hide them from him because he's somebody that keeps a bloody Excel spreadsheet on everything that everybody spends. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Just tell him that mum buys it for me and then the questions stop coming. I can't believe he believes that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's your dish of choice to cook? At the moment, it's risotto. Mm. I finally have nailed risotto. Tell me the trick immediately yeah. because I've cooked it the last – in fact, I've cooked it twice in the last month and I feel like I'm not getting it um, like silky and wet enough. It's it's drying yep. when I'm serving it up. You need to put so much stock in there that you think you've put too much stock in. But am That's I putting how it, I've nailed it bit by bit until it evaporates or – Yeah, yeah. So bit, and bit, bit by bit until the rice is cooked – and then put all your cheese in at the end, put a bit of bit more butter in, and then put like probably an extra cup, if not more, of stock at that end, quick stir, and then serve it. Oh. And like when I did it last and nailed it, I was just kind of finishing the extra stock that I had, and I was like, oh, it's probably too much. And then I put it in, I was like, oh, that's way too much. And it was perfect. Right. So it's like you've got to put so much in that you think that you've like ruined it. It's such a it's such a labour of love risotto and people are often really frightened to even commit to making it, which I was and I and I'm not a risotto cooker at all until COVID. But even still I'm like, ugh I, I'm why can't I get it right? It tastes delicious, but it's yeah, not but it's wet. Mm. It's 100%. Just put more in. The, the the recipe that got me to learn the consistency was actually the Rosetta Zucchini Risotto. You can get it online, the recipe. It's in the Broadsheet Cookbook, but it's also online. It is so good. It's delicious. And that is how I learnt to get it to the right consistency. And Rosetta is a restaurant in Melbourne. Yes, and it's a zucchini risotto and, oh, it's so yummy. It's really, really good. Oh, that is such a good tip. One thing that uh, our listeners must know is your famous potatoes, which I think mm. you may have stolen from one of your parents. 
Yes, from Dad, and I think you may have stolen it from my family. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Would you like to share the the recipe to the world's most crunchiest potatoes mm. on the planet? They really are good. So you need to parboil the potatoes first. You want them to be fluffy, but they still need to, you know, make, hold themselves together. Peeled potatoes? Um, and you, yes, peeled, mm-hmm. peeled. And, I mean, people talk about different types of potatoes, whatever. I go the pink Desiree because they're easiest to peel. They don't get dirty. Just use those. They're <laughs> fine. Um, once the potatoes are at the right consistency, you strain them, put them in a colander, toss them around a little bit so they're fluffy. That's going to be your texture grip. Let them cool in the colander as much as you can. Then in a plastic bag, get polenta, uh, lots of parmesan, salt and pepper, rosemary, whatever other herbs you want. Pour all the potatoes into the bag and then shake it around so all the potatoes get coated in this polenta stuff. Meanwhile, you need to have had your oven preheated with a pan full of hot oil, your baking dish, sorry, full of hot oil in the oven. Then when your potatoes are ready, put them into the hot oil chuck it in the oven, probably 200 degrees, I don't know, 40 minutes maybe, and they're delicious. Mm, they are, honestly. It's just, it's the it's the crowd pleaser. If, oh, yeah. It honestly is. And I reckon that if I hadn't have already locked down Pete, I would have used those potatoes to lock him down. Because I, oh, yeah. I remember back in the day, remember my uh, ex-boyfriend, Will, I'm – yeah. I'm convinced I locked him down with those uh, uh, muscle pot, <laughs> the muscle pot that I made. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yum. Well, I reckon I locked you down with those potatoes. <laughs> and you know what's <laughs> strange is that I'm not a like a roast person. I don't often like roast, but these potatoes are on another level. They're so good. Oh. They're so good. The other trick is to put whole cloves of garlic in there, but soak the garlic in water first. And that way it doesn't burn in the oven. You and I are telepathic because I was going to say you've also got a tip for garlic and that's the good, that's the tip. Mm. People don't soak them in the bulbs in water before they put them in the oven. That's right. And that's when they burn. My producer's just fallen off her chair at that revelation. She's very (laughs) pleased. I mean, water saves a lot of things. The other good one is soaking red onion in water if you're adding it to a salad or a guacamole, and that way it doesn't overpower the rest of the flavours when you're eating it raw. So is this an onion that's been peeled and cut? Yeah. So, for example, if you're making a guac, you're using a, a Spanish onion, a red onion, you're dicing it, and then you soak it in water, drain it, and then add it to the guac. And that way it's not so, like, spicy and tangy and you get a great flavour and sweetness from it without it you're just having onion breath. Interesting. I've done Mm. something similar to that, but I will uh, add salt to finely sliced Mm. uh, Spanish onion and I'll add the salt and then I'll, you know, get rid of the salt after a while and add some um, spices to that, like za'atar or something. It's quite delicious. Yum. Mm. Nice. Mm, nice. So wait, are you eating the onion or the salt? No, no, you get rid of the salt off the onion. Oh, I see. Okay. okay. And then, then the onions can be like a little side addition to a slow-cooked lamb or something like that. Mm, that sounds lovely. I know. 
I like that trick. Has your food routine changed since you have now become a fully-fledged highfalutin lawyer? (laughs) Yeah, I'm definitely a lot lazier midweek. I just want things that I can cook quickly. I mean, I work late-ish most nights, so when I get home I don't really want to spend an hour cooking. I just want to do something quickly or reheat something uh, so I can eat and I'm not eating too late. One thing I've gotten into recently is um, making my own chicken stock and that's been awesome, just having a stock in the fridge and then making my own soup and that's Mm. the stock that I use in the risotto actually, such good flavour. But, yeah, it's really just about convenient eating and and making larger meals that kind of go, uh, you know, satisfy a few dinners for a week. Because essentially like being being a lawyer, that's an office job. You're in an office pretty much 24 sevs. You're not mm. out being active and that would be difficult. You know, you, you do you leave your office to take a lunch break? Do you eat your lunch at your desk? I mean, I try not to eat at my desk as much as possible because I figure it's hard to eat and type at the same time anyway. <laughs> but sometimes you can't avoid it. Um, if you, It's kind of almost like if you take a lunch break, you're leaving an hour later than what you would have if you didn't take a lunch break. You kind of balance it. Depends on what's happening in your day. But I think people forget, like being a lawyer, you're in a service industry. So you really are at the beck and call of clients a lot of the time. So, you know, if I could get called into a meeting last minute that's during my lunch hour and I have to just cancel whatever plans I've got and and go to that. You do miss out on lunch a few times a week. (laughs) (laughs) Now, speaking of though, you you have been known to order... Those pre-done meals, what are they? You know, mm. like in the packages and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, I've done You Foods. I've done My Muscle Chef. I've done mm. – um, they're, the, they're the ones that are literally like a packaged meal and you just microwave it. Um, and then I've also done HelloFresh and Dinnerly, which are the ones that you have to cook, but they send you all the ingredients. Oh, what do you prefer – I mean, it just comes down to how much time you have. I think the ones that are pre-packaged that you just put in the microwave, they all end up tasting kind of the same after a while and you feel like you're eating aeroplane food. Mm. But the HelloFresh ones are actually pretty good. But then when you're spending that much and you're cooking, I kind of prefer to cook and make up things as I go rather than follow someone else's recipe. So, I need your advice. So Mm. Pete doesn't often cook. Pete, my bloke, he doesn't often cook. Um, But he's like, he's all right. He's not bad. He cooked some chicken tikka for me last night, which is essentially (laughs) diced up chicken um, with like a blob of the tikka from the jar uh, mixed with natural yogurt and some cut up red capsicum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, he puts it on a bed of rice and sprinkles it with a uh, rocket. And then you just mix the rocket through and eat it. Strange combo, but actually it was quite nice and I ate it. But as I took my fourth mouthful, I was like, there's something missing. There is something missing in this. I said to him, did you season this dish? And he said, no. Why do I need to season it? comes from a jar. And I said, well, salt. Uh, is often really great for bringing the flavour out in things, you know, making things taste delicious. And he got really annoyed at me uh, because 
you know, like I know stuff about food, right? He's a builder. So if he gives me advice on building, I'll be like, cool. Thanks for that. Cool. Good advice. (laughs) But when I give him advice on cooking, he is relentless about arguing the point with me. It's like, mate, you don't even know what you're talking about. And as soon as I got up and seasoned the meal he'd made, it was bloody delicious. (laughs) But to make a point, he didn't even season his own, so he didn't even know what he was missing out on. Tom and I have the exact same argument and it's exactly about salt and pepper. Always, always. He will like cook me eggs for breakfast, right? And it's beautiful. Like he puts all these yummy things in it and I'm like, oh, this is great. Did you salt and pepper it? He's like, no, it doesn't need it. You always use so much salt. No, no, no. And I'm like, it needs it. Literally the same argument every time. Literally the secret to making um, some of the best desserts, cakes and things like that, is adding a pinch of salt because for whatever reason there is a science behind it, it elevates the flavours and that's what salt Mm. is used for. Like, hello, can we just take a moment to bow down to sodium for a second? Yes, please. Yeah, thanks. Amen. <laughs> they just don't get it. They don't get it. It's unhealthy is what I get told. I'm like, it's mm. not unhealthy. It's unhealthy if you have too much. Yeah, exactly. But we don't. <laughs> well, actually, that that you might be somebody that does overdo the salt because when you have your breakfast at a restaurant, you order toast with salted butter and you will butter the toast but not you don't stop there. You then add a layer of salt on top of the salted butter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's because restaurants never have salted butter. They always have unsalted butter. It's like the same butter that they cook with. And, I mean, I need salt in my butter. <laughs> Simple as that. I mean, butter needs to be salted. Forget this unsalted stuff. That is for cooking only. Oh, God, you're so salty about salt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we call it a day? I think we've pretty much touched on every single thing known to man. I think so. It was great chatting with you. Any last words? I want to see my little niece or nephew soon. Oh, it just kicked. It just kicked <laughs> as you said that. <laughs> oh, it's because he, she can hear me. He, he, she can hear you. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Au revoir, mademoiselle. Merci beaucoup. Au revoir. <laughs> What's a little French a song? Frère Jacques, Frère Jacques, dormez-vous, dormez-vous, solo la matina, solo la matina, la matina. Ding, ding, dong, ding. That's so lame. Oh, well, would you look at that? It seems like we missed our calling. Maybe the next show that we apply for, The Voice Australia. Hmm, now that's a thought. Thanks for listening to Tuesdays with me, Ash Pollard. All thanks to Red Energy. Now's the time to switch to a 100% Australian electricity and gas retailer. Just call them, 131 806.
If you enjoyed Tuesday with Ash Pollard, then check out the other podcasts in the Red Energy Lifestyle series. For all things parenting, enjoy Mum Plus One with Joe Stanley. I have to admit, at the height of coronavirus lockdown, I gave up on all screen time restrictions. 100% Australian electricity and gas. That's Red Energy. Thanks for listening to Tuesday with Ash Pollard, part of the Red Energy Podcast Lifestyle series. Available on your favourite podcast platform and the SEN app.